Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Legg and Bryn Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, and in studio with me are my partners in crime, Bryn Starnes and Chris Legg. In studio, too. Yeah, in, in studio. studio is great. That's kind of extra I miss the black t-shirt memo, though. It oh, looks yeah. nice. Sleek. <laughs> that's right. Sleek. That's Sleek. the word. Professional. It's for our YouTube audience. I know. That's right. Yeah, that's true. YouTube audience, we're looking at you. You're not looking at us, but we're looking at you. <laughs> I mean, I would say that I'm in the studio for other reasons than my internet is out at my home, but I am not. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Uh, there we go. I appreciate it. Um, guys, lately we've had a couple of very insightful and interesting interviews. Yeah. Um, namely with Mark Legg and David Zoll. Mm-hmm. And this is something we want to, we plan to be continuing uh, to have different people on and uh, getting different perspectives. And so this episode, I think it would be good. We were, we were talking before just to kind of get our thoughts together, kind of a, like a, a debrief almost on both of those. Right. Yep. Sounds good. There's a lot of information over. There was a lot of information. Just a few episodes. I was, I was not expecting the two of them to have honestly much overlap uh-huh. And I feel like there was more, but not in the places that I would have necessarily thought. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to hear y'all what stood out to you guys. What were some of the main themes as well from those two conversations when it comes to this our topic of deconstruction and reconstruction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that I thought was cool it's a it's a consistent theme that we have, especially regarding deconstruction and like your faith as you're growing up, encouraging people to ask deep questions, Mm -hmm. hard questions. Right. um, And not being afraid of that. I feel like that was an overlap that was like, it's just, it's cool to hear different people's um, stories and how like, Hey, they're, they're growing up in in different denominations, Mm -hmm. different, really different backgrounds, different parts of the country. I mean, very different. Right. Different ages, different, different, Totally, everything. totally. And then it's like, but as they're coming up, a common thing is, hey, I can, I was allowed to ask questions. My, my parents or those discipling me weren't afraid of that. Right. And, and that has helped me as I've sought, you know, sought answers. Mm-hmm. I can, at least for both of them, I'm like, they both have a solid foundation and then that almost frees them up to ask questions and to have these, you know, you know, cultural conversations for David, uh, you know, writing these different books or Mark having these philosophical conversations with people who, you know, he, he can, I just think what's cool is there's that foundation to where he's not shaken. Right. So he, he has this freedom to explore these different ideas with, with almost like, he's not always questioning or having like an existential crisis. Cause right. he's like, I can read these books and explore these things because I'm interested in them. And because I think they're cool and mm-hmm. out there and whatever. Right. Same for David. I think there, there are some of those types of things as well to where it's like, I can explore, I can ask these questions, but, but my faith is grounded. Yeah. I wondered too. And I'm curious to see what you guys think, but I wonder how much of that is when 
you have parents who are comfortable, they know the truth and know why they believe what they believe, but are encouraging their kids to ask questions and not hide when they have doubts. I wonder how much of that passes on that like consistency and assurance of, okay, when I have doubts, I don't have to be terrified of that. Right. Like my parents have walked through, because I wonder if, if your kids have doubt and, and they express, Hey, I, I may disagree with you on this. And, and we respond out of fear or a reaction. I wonder how much of that creates a fear of asking questions of yourself when you're older. You know what I'm saying? Like when it, it almost takes away the, the fear and, um, the ominous quality of having to deconstruct part of your faith. Does Uh that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so that, that's something that I think you're right. I think it's been a consistent theme. It seems challenging as a new parent who's trying to figure this out. Thinking about my children questioning the things that I know to be true. Like that Mm -hmm. already seems like a scary thing, Right. but we know that it, like you're saying, Colson, it seems really healthy. And so, yeah. yeah, Anyway, that was just something I was thinking about Mm -hmm. that of like taking away the, the, yes, telling our kids there is truth to be found but you don't have to fear the times when you doubt that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so. an interesting way to look at it. Is it is that the, the search for truth is not a scary thing. It's an ongoing conversation. It's, it's a, I don't, I don't even know what to equate it with because I, I don't feel like obviously we ever want to, it's not right or healthy to ever imply to our children that, yeah, I believe whatever you want to believe, whatever right. is fine. But at the same time, there's something about the freedom to kind of stretch their own muscles mm-hmm. and to be able to that. I, I liked, I liked David's verbiage when he talked about pushing against something. Mm-hmm. And I almost, you know, we, we, as we're developing our identity, you know, we, when we teach parenting type stuff, like a little kid, I mean, when, when a, a lot of parents take it personally, when a kid pushes against something, yeah, whether it's, I don't want to eat that, or, you know, I want to stick, bread into the VCR. Uh, that's what Mark used to do. And so I'm um, speaking, <laughs> speaking of our speakers, but like, like he, he, for some reason he thought it fit perfectly and thought that was really cool. And so he would try to put a piece of bread in there and we we're like, no, we're not going to do that. And then, but he would want to try later again or, and so that was a, but instead of taking that personally, like, oh, this is kind of the end of the world. We can't handle this. I don't have the psychological steadiness to handle it. Or, Apparently my faith is so weak that just my child pushing against it a little bit terrifies me or panics me. Mm. And I feel like that communicates something to the child mm-hmm. early on. Like, and so I think it's, it's interesting how much, how much of what we're seeing is, is someone deconstructing a weak faith they're seeing in another person or mm-hmm. a hypocritical faith they're seeing in another person because they don't feel free to, to, to push Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like that language of pushing against it, like that. There's a healthy, and I believe I believe our I believe the Holy Scripture invites it, invites us to push, mm-hmm. if for no other reason, like you know, pushing, doing a push up builds muscle. Yeah, mm-hmm. like there's something about pushing it, even if we're not in defiance against it. Mm-hmm. Like rebellion is not the only form of pushing. Defiance mm-hmm. isn't the only form of pushing. Right, questioning, asking, digging, or. I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like we need some language here. Yeah, I well, feel I feel like ahead. that quote that uh and you you'll be able to do it but like the scripture is the anvil. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's I feel the. Like, um, I don't know who actually said it, but I, was, I heard it given to Billy Graham that mm-hmm. the, the that the Holy Scripture is the anvil around which the hammers lay broken. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's like the testing yeah. of things. Yeah. I mean, it even talks about it in the Bible, but it's like you've got you've got something coming in. There's always going to every generation. Every I mean, everyone is going to have some level of okay. Somebody's going to be spitting out something new mm-hmm. or truth that we then have to explore. So I love what you're saying of like the search for truth is not some finalized thing. There's always going to be things that we need to test against scripture. Right. And, and it, and it strengthens your faith to test it and see Holy scripture stands up to this. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not like an arrival of like, okay, now I have, you know, I've arrived at all truth. And that's one thing that I loved about that. Mark said so clearly Mm. and just how he summed up, um, one of his episodes was just really powerful to me when he described the difference between open-mindedness and um, essentially, you know, moral relativity. So like right. a difference of when he said that, that being truly open-minded means knowing that you can always be wrong, always being on, in a search for truth, but it doesn't mean believing that there's no truth to be found. Right. And I thought that was so so insightful Uh and really helpful when it comes to just the mentality that we need to have about all of life. Right. Um, Yeah. I thought that was really good. That's a, and by the way, you were a minute ago, uh, Colson was referencing, there's at least two places that talk about first Thessalonians five references the phrase It has the phrase, Paul is talking to the church in Thessalonica and says, test everything, retain what is good, refrain from every kind of evil. Um, and so that's, that's a, an invitation to test that encourages them to test things. Mm-hmm. And then of course, first John four talks about dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. And so again, that same language, I think, I think what's odd is there is a, an expression of Christianity that I think a lot of us experience sometimes, which is this, what David Smalley talked about, like, Hey, we don't, we don't ask those kind of questions around here which I think mm-hmm. is not follow the teachings of Christ or of Paul or any of them, which would have said, yeah, those are the exact type of questions we ask around here. Yeah. Um, that's kind of why we're here is because there are questions like that, because mm-hmm. that's, that's part of why we exist is to, is to engage with those questions mm-hmm. um, and to fearlessly do so. How fascinating to have, I mean, Mark's version of that, that I loved was Mark saying, I don't, I don't have his exact quote, but some version of like the best thought wins. Yeah. yeah. I think he so it was said like, true ideas win at yeah, the end. Yeah, exactly. In but, the end, the yeah. true idea wins. And so yeah. the best, whatever. And so like, if you know that going in, you don't, you're not afraid mm-hmm. to right. test because you're like, yeah, well, the in the end, I believe the best idea, the true idea, the right idea will be the one that comes out on top. So mm-hmm. why would I be afraid to do that? And I thought that was really helpful. I loved that sentence. It's helped me a lot when it comes to thinking about having really good dialogue with friends and family who are deconstructing. Right. Because I think part of our hope for this podcast is whichever side of the deconstruction you're currently, you know, engaging with mm-hmm. or um, doing that well. And so for me, it was um, when talking to friends and family in a way that's gracious and kind and encourages them to continue seeking, that was a really good point of like, that's a good thing for me to bring up with those friends of like, okay, what, what ideas when, like what ideas in the world yeah. are working. And there's some nuance to that, obviously, like there's, 
we're broken individuals. So our perception mm-hmm. of what is winning <laughs> right. or and what like, is working. Exactly. Is and, we're, often, and we're not at the end in some ways. Right. You right. Know, so it's like, yeah. And there's, I mean, we're always thinking that things are doing are winning or working and then they are not. So we yeah, have exactly. to be, use that with wisdom and, um, all the things, but, mm-hmm. but I think that was helpful of like, okay, how am I engaging with others? Well, in this conversation of like, okay, let's talk through these ideas. Like what is the logical, outcome of that idea where does that get us right, and right. just having those good conversations mm-hmm. that was actually i was fascinated by it was a new york times article or no the the daily the um, is that the daily new york times new york times yeah, yeah. that the daily uh-huh. yeah listening to them and they were they were literally just i think it's yesterday day before talking about a um a scientist the fact that the web telescope that some ideas came out that apparently the 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 scientist who it's named after was uh, like uh, allegedly was homophobic and had all these quotes that they had said. And so a scientist was literally chosen by NASA to do the research and to one of the top astrophysicists in the world he was working for. And they go, would you research this and see if this is true? He's an African-American man. And he does the research and comes back with like, literally I have now read all of the transcripts that Webb did, that Dr. Webb did. And I've done the, and it turns out he didn't say these things. Hmm. And then there's all these people he allegedly fired. And it turns out he was not in power in the position to fire people when those people were fired. Hmm. So he came out and said, it's just not true. Like it's not, it's not true. It's not accurate. None of these things are true. Mm-hmm. Why can't I think of his first name? Uh, I'll think I'll get it. I'll look it up. Web telescope. Who are you named after? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. John Webb. Um, James Webb. Uh, And uh, you were so close. I could not get the first name. And so, um, and he did this great research and and New York Times reporting on it. And the response to that was, thank you, straight man, for rescuing us in the LGBTQ world. We don't need your help. We still want his name removed. And and he's like, so as a scientist, I can't, and I mean, I can't like, do science. I'm not allowed look. to. So the, the, he is being, he's, be, he's in trouble for these things he did and said, so we need to remove it. Okay. So he didn't say and do those things. Okay. But he's still in trouble because he should have done more to keep other people from doing these things. He should have resigned his position. He could have. And of course, then he never would have had a telescope named after him if he had not been to the positions he earned his way to the top. But, <clears throat> and that struck me as I'm listening to him thinking, this is an unwinnable way of doing things. Yeah. The best ideas here are not allowed to win in this conversation. Mm. Yes, if it turned out that he had been a horrible person, sure, change the name. Mm. But when you find out that he wasn't, that the things that he was claimed to have done, he didn't do, well, that should then win. Right. Like everybody should go like, oh, sweet, good, okay, well, then great. That's an interesting point of like true ideas do win, but often the way that our society is functioning, they can't. They can't win. Yeah. And so that's what it was a weird. Are we creating a culture in mm. which the best ideas aren't allowed to win? It's the game is is rigged against the best ideas. Mm-hmm. But again, that's not surprising. That's happened before. And as the church, it's important that we don't say don't ask questions, don't, mm-hmm. don't test things, don't whatever, that we don't create a world in which the best answers aren't allowed to win. Mm-hmm. And I think we, a lot of us came from a version of church that could easily be like that. that yeah. Well, what if that's a better idea? Well, then it better not win yeah. versus... Or well, why are you asking me <laughs> that? Right, why are you asking that question? And versus, no, if that's the truth, 
that's what a God of truth would want us to believe. Mm -hmm. And so when you look back on, you know, the famous example of, uh, I guess, Copernicus, who got in trouble for saying that the, you know, that the, everything didn't rotate around the earth, but that the earth rotated around the sun, that the church was frustrated with him about that. Like, okay, he was in a world where the right idea was not allowed to win. Mm-hmm. And that's not, we don't want to just create that in a different direction now, but yeah. how do we make sure the church is a place where the truth is allowed to be the truth mm-hmm. and that we're not afraid of it? And so I, anyway, yeah. that struck me. Man, that's something I've, re- this is a side note, but something I've realized recently is a lot of times in reaction to culture, we take the same <laughs> philosophy or way of thinking about things. And instead of saying, okay, we're going to scrap this and go back to scripture and truth and, and reevaluate, we just go to the opposite and give it a Christian label. Like right. we're doing, or, right. or do the same thing with a Christian label. And it's, and it's often like a reactionary response instead of a response that says, okay, mm. maybe we'd, maybe let's just, do you, do you have an example in mind or no? Um, not that wouldn't send us down a rabbit trail. Oh, sounds good. Um, maybe, <laughs> no, maybe another day. Use your, <laughs> Sorry. Listener, use your imagination. That's exactly yeah. right. Or okay. tune in in the future. The future. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. But um, okay. another. Uh, I will say yeah, this. Yeah, go ahead. And we've talked about this way back. And we miss when the truth is in alignment. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's always been one of my favorite examples was the, the Big Bang. When the Big Bang oh, Theory yeah, was first yeah. released. And it was so it was so obvious to many of the people in the astrophysics world that this aligned with Christian, Jewish, and Muslim theology. Yeah, that's like, hey, there was nothing, and then bang, there's suddenly something. Like someone just made it happen. They were very worried about getting there. I literally read a, a physicist who said we were afraid we were going to get our noses rubbed in it, so to speak, like yeah. a dog that makes a mess on the floor. And instead, Christians came out and said, like, no, this can't be right. It's not that your big bang's a big lie. Yeah. And, and they were all relieved yeah. that the Christians didn't all come out and say, like, well, I mean, yeah. It's the same with certain, like, sexual temptations. Not you, Like, you can't be born with right, certain exactly. Sexual, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't be born gay. Like, yeah. wait a minute. No, no, no. That We we think that yeah. you can be born sinful. That's actually a pretty important doctrine yeah. of the Christianity is you're not born pure. Yeah. So it's so, almost a reactionary response rather than a biblical, biblical one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. I like that. I like yeah. the idea. I, I get excited about the church being the place where the truth is allowed to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just, that sounds so right it's and so healthy compelling. to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like David kind of talked a little bit about that, about his experience with church always being a place that he could come to mm. for, mm-hmm. to ask those questions um, yeah. versus a place to deconstruct. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. What did you think when he was talking about, because he was, he said, I'm a part of a, a mainline denomination and I went to a Catholic school. Right. And so talking about like having your faith be separate from things. Yeah. What, what was like, did you, what are your thoughts when, when that comes up? Does, is that pertinent to our discussion? Cause it, it what it, and I, the reason why I'm asking is because if in, in it, and I could have been reading it wrong. It's like, it's, it was almost though that the, um, what's the word that I'm, this is, yeah, like the separation made it, made it easy. Like it, it, he wasn't as tempted to deconstruct Hmm. or, but, but was I reading that wrong? 
Not, not necessarily. Okay. I don't, I'm not. I do remember him talking about a separation, but I don't remember the, uh, the context. exact context. Yeah. It, it, I don't remember that standing out to me that okay. he was saying that our faith needs to be separate. Um, I remember him talking a little bit about, and maybe maybe now I'm putting thoughts into his mind that weren't there, but the the idea. Yeah, of, I don't want to be it, doing that either. Exactly sorry. that that we're not that you it's it's not the same as in you don't have to step in immediately okay. to every one of those conversations in every one of those circles, like because of the different nature of those relationships, and that that was part of his you know, being from a different, being from a different perspective, he could sometimes get into the conversation further, but, yeah. but I may even, even that may be me mixing up okay. some stuff there. Yeah. Um, I was back. looking back yeah, at some of my notes back. too, while, while we were talking. Yeah. The only thing I remember, uh, I remember that I, I was not worth stopping and taking an issue with is when, is when he said, um, where your, where your heart is there, your treasure will be. Uh-huh. And that's actually the backwards from what Jesus says. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be, which of course that means they're both in the same place. But mm-hmm. um, it's, I don't think humans are people who the, our heart follows our, our treasure follows our heart. Mm-hmm. It's that our heart follows our treasure. It's, and I, th- and I know David would know that and agree with that. And he was just, he was making a totally different point. But that to me strikes me as interesting is that if we say, Again, back to our conversation, if my treasure, if I'm investing treasure in the truth, my heart mm-hmm. will follow there versus if I'm investing my treasure in a certain answer always has to be the right answer. Yeah. Then my heart's going to be there. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think we, that's why we feel we take it personally when someone questions our truth claims, almost always, I feel like if I have a truth claim and someone takes it personally and, and someone res- de- you know defies it and I take it personally, that tells me that. I mean, it's, I don't get mad if I say two and two is four and someone else says it's 22. I don't go, what, what are you saying? Like, no dude, it's four. I mean, yeah. and so, because I'm pretty confident or willing to have the conversation, but I think sometimes, and it's scarier, obviously when it's our own children, our own mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. and that sounds like they're questioning that, but it, it's definitely a skill we've apparently need to master in the church and in the home, because at least the patterns we're seeing is those who are most free to engage in these conversations come out the most confident in their faith. Mm -hmm. And those who are least free to ask these conversations come out most confident in their lack of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, again, we've only, we're talking about a small population. It's not like we've developed some big psychological study here, but that pattern is, is holding at least in our conversations. Well, it's a good question for if people are deconstructing to ask themselves of like, what, what kind of environment, did I grow up in? Maybe it's, you know, a, a contributing factor. Maybe not, but at least asking themselves mm. that question of like, was I allowed to, to question and, and ask hard things and doubt? Um, or was I told like, this is the answer on everything and you can't stray from it whatsoever, right. even on smaller things. Um, Cause it may help them, you know, understand their deconstruction better. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's key. And I think, I think it's fascinating that we're picking up on that pattern already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, so that what I love about it is it, it allows us to encourage one. I think it, I think it supports the decision to do a podcast about reconstruction and deconstruction mm-hmm. um, or vice versa, deconstruction and reconstruction Yeah. versus a, just a, Hey, let's do a podcast that answers all these questions. Yeah. Um, that instead allows us to wrestle through them and to, to even at the end of some of our 
conversations go. I don't, I don't know how to answer this. Like, I'm yeah. not sure what to do with this. Um, I was intrigued though. So here's a question. Then, then what are we, do we ever give up on, do we ever stop pushing back against things? And, you know, maybe part of why I don't feel like I'm 50 is because, I mean, I'm still doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm about to teach on, I think it's first Samuel 15 in a few weeks. Uh-huh. And first Samuel 15 is the, the passage where the people are instructed, at least it appears that they're instructed that, that Saul is instructed to kill every man, mm-hmm. woman, child, animal, and infant mm-hmm. in a, uh, verse three, now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction. All that they have do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Mm. Right. Or further down. Uh, and Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before yeah. the Lord in Gilgal. I yeah, was like, exactly. I read that this morning. I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's not a, a whole bunch. Uh, he hacked you, them to yeah, pieces. How do we beautify that? Yeah, I know. Before how do you, the Lord. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it really wasn't that bad. Right. It wasn't a brutal hacking it to pieces. It was a la- it was a tongue lashing. Exactly. Really. It was when you think about it, there's some pretty there's some pretty, you know, yeah. temperamental ways to hack someone to pieces. Um, what was sorry, your point, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. your question within that. But, I so, so I'm not done. I've got to teach on yeah, that. Yeah. And I've got to wrestle through. And I've already started reading in a a book that talks about did God really for yeah. did God really command genocide? Did God really command these mm-hmm. things? And engaging with the conversation. And so something's got to give mm-hmm. either a, a literal interpretation of some of these or a historical interpretation or a genre interpretation or a perspective of who God is. Or I mean, something's going to give in that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not my my faith will not be the same after I do the research to teach this passage. Yeah. And I hope neither will the people who hear it. Yeah. And so but so it's not like. Oh, here's the, here's the party line. Or we skip that chapter because we don't like it. Or right. pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. There's nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> not the droids you're looking for. And so I think I think that's a temptation for us for sure. But yeah. it's not, that's not what we're going to do. What we're going to do is push mm-hmm. right. instead and hopefully build some muscles. And And so I don't, you know, part of me was thinking, I don't, I feel like that's the healthy way we're supposed to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's more comfortable for... It's uncomfortable for everyone. I think it's more comfortable for some personalities than others. So I think some people arriving mm. at an answer and being able to stay there is really comforting. Yeah. Oh, and I sure. think it's comforting to some level for everyone, but especially some personalities. Like yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think there's fear associated with that for a lot of people. And so it's hard to continue living in that space your whole life of like, or in cycles of that space right, of right. like, okay, I need to, to be able to, do that and not live in fear my whole life. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I also like kind of continuing with that, uh, him kind of coming from a place of compassion. I I liked, sorry, talking about David specifically Mm now, um, how, you know, he was talking a lot about experiencing hardship and experiencing pain. Yeah. Um, and not letting that, um, just cause him to completely, you know, just give up on everything. I, when, when we were talking about kind of some of the hardest things for him, um, he was, he was talking about being at, like actively antagonized by the church. He said mm-hmm. something to the effect of how the bride of Christ has worked its power in sort of diabolical ways, not just abused or abuses or mega church pastors falling, but mm-hmm. like in 
kind of broken relationships and things that, you know, there, there are things that we will go through and we will see that is ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and, but having the foundation to understand that we, like we talk about a lot, deconstructing our faith in humanity and seeing like, okay, just because I have been wronged and will continue to be wronged right. and unfortunately probably will wrong others. Right. That should not shake me. Like I, I should then run to the father and to scripture all the right. more because right. I know that that will happen and will continue to happen. And then to be able to engage with other people, I think is when some, for people who have those questions and it's like, yeah, but cause I think it, what at least what we've seen in the past is people want to cover those things up mm-hmm. right rather than acknowledge the truth within that of like yeah we are broken our church leaders are broken right we make mistakes i think for someone who's deconstructing it's probably hard to look at it's hard to talk to people mm-hmm. who are trying to sugarcoat things or whitewash things mm-hmm. and it's it's probably a lot um you probably kind of disarm people when you're having those conversations, when you acknowledge that there is difficulty. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, but that doesn't sway the the truth of God and who he is. Yeah, I agree. And I think it ties into what Mark was saying. And we were talking about with him of, of anchoring, you know, right. what, what anchors, we need to find what types of thought and what verses and what aspects of, God like anchor us specifically. I mean, we're all, the goal is to all be anchored by truth, but what aspects of, you know, the arguments for the existence of God, or is it whatever part anchors you specifically that you can share with others? Mm -hmm. And that may look different, right? Not that the truth is different for us all, but what anchors us may be different, Mm -hmm. but it's important to think through what that is so that we can have those conversations of when things get really hard, when, people around us fail when we fail and we're having those conversations with others, we can go back to those things that, that anchor us. Um, I don't know. That was one thing I was thinking about with Mark of like, I think it's really helpful to acknowledge that what those things are different for all of us, but we need to know what anchors us. Does that make sense? I think so. Um, for those, those moments where it's like, okay, the rubber meets the road. Humans are failing me. Yeah. What do I go back to yeah. that anchors me? But I don't know what, that's a, okay. So I love that my favorite moment listening back to the podcast with, with Mark was when he threw out the, um, the question of how, why the, the evolutionary argument against naturalism. Yeah. And he yeah. said that, and then there's this, yeah. Do, you, do y'all want me to unpack that? And we're <laughs> right. like, well, yes, like, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You can't just throw something like that out again. <laughs> but, but so a few years ago and I'll have to, I'll have to look up, exactly who it was. And and I'm even blanking right now, but I I have a thought of even someone who might be another good interview person, but, um, but was the question when the problem of evil came up and I had literally never done this is that a guy said, um, Hey, with the problem of evil, you know, if, if there is no God, you've not removed evil or suffering. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, you know, when you face the problem of suffering or the problem of evil, why do humans suffer? Why is there evil? When you face it, you can take God out of the picture, but, but that doesn't change the fact that there is evil and suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. What it does is it now means there's no chance for redemption of that evil and suffering. Mm-hmm. It's just evil and suffering. If you can even call it moral evil, if there is no God, but, 
but it's just horror and terrible. And by the way, there's no value in it. And there's bone cancer in children, to quote Stephen Fry, whether there is a God or not a God. Mm -hmm. The difference is Stephen Fry's child, the child that Stephen Fry knows who has bone cancer is just has bone cancer. Well, you know what? Life stinks. Yeah. Whereas in the Christian worldview or even any religious worldview, you can come away with, but depending on the nature of the God we serve, there could be some such powerful redemptive value in that, Mm -hmm. which is shown by the fact that sometimes children with bone cancer are devoted believers, Mm. like because they see greater value in their life because of that. Um, And that's not just a psychological, like, oh, this is a cute psychological trick to make yourself feel better. But but that's the case. Well, what I loved about John, about Mark's comment was the reminder that picking a different perspective doesn't now take away all the hard questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. And it was like, listen, okay, so you're going to defend naturalist evolution. Well, sweet. Now you don't have any more hard questions to answer because you, because Christianity is the only thing that has hard questions. Like, no, my friend, <laughs> you, you may be literally choosing a worldview that by definition means you should doubt the value of that worldview. Yeah. Right. And like, that's, that is a, okay, good. That's a good reminder that just because, but what we see with people who deconstruct very often is they just go, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm deconstructing. Well, what about the hard questions about this? Like, meh, whatever. Yeah. And and that is probably the main thing we would say. This this that's that's a terrible idea. Yeah. These are big, important, vital questions. Mm-hmm. And we're either around for a few decades and everything and what we do during those few decades really matters forever, or it doesn't matter at all. And then we'll be gone. And within three generations, no one will be able to name us. And it, it won't unless we happen to be one in a, you know. 10 million people. And so I just, I'm fascinated by that, that yes, there are questions like first Samuel 15 that drive us nuts. So we have to wrestle through in, in regards to being scriptural Christians, but walking away from that doesn't take away all the questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, there are still a lot of really hard questions and those become often the anchors for me is, is okay, I'm, I have a really good answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Okay, I may not have a great answer to this other question, but I don't know that anybody else does either. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know that anybody's nailing that one. Mm-hmm. So it's like the verse we've quoted on here before, I think. Um, is it Peter that says, but to who else would we go? You have the word yes. of eternal life. Yes. Yeah. I think you quoted it a couple of episodes ago, Colson, but um, but I always think about that because we've talked about deconstruction of celebrities and Mm -hmm. John, uh, John Redford and I talked about that a little bit, but talking about even Rhett and link when it comes to their Mm -hmm. deconstruction stories, that was one of the verses they quoted of like, like, but to who else would I go? But it was more of like, instead of, but to who else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. So this I can depend on. It was more of like, well, but to who else would I go? Like, this is all I know. And it was really, oh, wow. And, and maybe that's not how they meant it, but that's how it seemed because yeah. he was quoting it as he was talking about, well, I don't mm. know what else to think if I don't, because I've trusted in this for so long. And that was like fascinating to me of, <sighs> of that. Sounds lazy. I don't well, know what you mean, but it just sounds lazy. Well, but, but all that to say. Um, but that was my, that was my general after one of, I don't remember which one, Rhett or Link. One of them, it was. You just, you just don't want to, so you're not going to. Well, but... And the other one yeah. was just lazy. I was like, yeah, you. there's answers to all of that. But I... But all, all that to say... Judgy. Don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we're, allowed to, we're allowed to have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> 
Keep going. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, oh, but to your point of like, well, but that doesn't solve like, yes. but to who else do we go? You have the words of eternal life. So right. the con- the combination of like truth wins and right. real ideas win. And also, okay, well, if we walk away from this, like who else has ideas that are true and are yep. winning? Like that doesn't solve the the problem of our questions just to walk away. So that anyway. is exactly right. That's a great and and that's our encouragement. That's about being so much of why we created this was to encourage people. If if you're saying, "Hey, I don't know about this or I don't know about that," well, good, dig in, mm-hmm. dig in. Don't. But this this kind of <clears throat> that was they were the ones who when I listened to their no, that's <laughs> no. Which I almost feel like. I mean, I would, I would have a, I, they, I mean, that we couldn't have, get them on the have, podcast, but we could millions of followers. Like the, if they're going to ask these questions and yeah. publicize these, I think they're inviting some Absolutely. sort of critique. Yeah. I, and maybe that's something that we could even at some point do is, is, is go through. I mean, we're probably not going to get them on the web, uh, on our podcast, yeah. but yeah. Um, although it'd be cool if we did, but, but to say, we, I would love to, maybe we'd listen to that or look at that or discuss it or send a link to people to listen to it. And then we discuss it. But I remember listening to that because my kids were huge. I mean, I bought tickets in D.C. four years ago to take Ellie to see Rhett and Link live mm-hmm. and really enjoyed them. And then and then uh, and then not long after that, of course, they come out and say, we've deconstructed our faith and here's why. And and I'm listening to it and thinking these are just not good. They're not good arguments. It's mm-hmm. it's one of them was honest about that. I don't care if these are good arguments. I'm not interested in it. I'm just just realized I don't have to believe this anymore if I don't want to. So I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm like oh well, all right. I mean, I, yeah. God yeah. gives you that freedom, I guess, or whatever. But then the other was just such a passive, like <laughs> uh, I don't know. There were some hard questions, so I'm done. Mm-hmm. And as if there aren't hard questions mm-hmm. for him now. Mm-hmm. And so I think probably like a lot of Christians, they're just not thinking about it's it. Like they just evasive, put a blind faith. It's like an ev- evasive approach to questions of like, it's just easier if I don't. I just don't ask. I just don't I, think I about don't. it. And not even like as a passive thing of just like, like it's, it's too hard. Like it's right. too hard to try to figure them out. Yes. It's easier for me not to think about them. Yes. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. that, sorry, when I sent us down. <laughs> no, I, I think that's good. I think that's worthwhile. Well, and I but, think it was also interesting just to... When, and I only listened to part of um, of Rhett's, so mm-hmm. I haven't gone through them all. But it was yeah. interesting because he was kind of talking about his marriage. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, nothing's really changed or anything. I'm like, well, <laughs> How is that possible? Well, but yeah. also I was like, the the scary thing is like, okay, maybe, maybe they will, you know, continue to have a loving relationship. But what is what are what the implications for his kids and yeah. his grandkids right. of like, okay, you know, we talk about... Is it like the transitional person in someone's family who decides right. to do something and then shift your family into a better direction? How right. difficult that is. I haven't even thought to like reverse engineer that of like, mm-hmm. what is, what if it's the transitional person kicking you off the tracks? Yeah. And how does that or derail even, your family? Even starting you down the path of saying, well, dad, what about this hard question? And you go, man, just don't think about it. Right. Oh yeah. I mean like, oh my gosh, that to me, like I'd almost rather... <laughs> the opposite, right, like right, right. that, that to someone who's just like, you know what, kid, just live your life. It's not worth thinking about. There are no rights and wrongs. There's no, mm-hmm. just, just whatever works for you works for you. And that to me is, that's, that's more deeply offensive in some yeah. ways, but mm-hmm. like because of this very model, this, this mm-hmm. stuff matters. And yeah. we can just to act like it doesn't feels like the most pathetic road. Yeah. 
um, of passivity, mm -hmm. no matter where it leads. Yeah. Like, well, either it leads to finally the biochemistry in your body stops off functioning and then whatever yeah. you, this illusion that you call you mm -hmm. goes away suddenly. Well, what a pathetic life that was. Yeah. Um, or, man, it all has eternal significance and man, what a pathetic life that was. Yeah. And I just, mm -hmm. I just don't buy that. And yeah. I, don't, I don't, I'm sad that there seems to be a lot of people out there who yeah. prefer that to, yeah, but the, the right. other option is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's and yeah. it's a prominent voice. I think that's what yeah. gives me. It's like, hey, we figured this out for you guys, so you don't need to think about it. Well, and it goes. We've, we've, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, yeah. Well, and it goes back to what we've talked about multiple times, of like, if there is a God and He has spoken, that's like, right. Maybe there's not, but if there is, that has a lot of implications. <laughs> yes, yeah. It does. Just to not seek to know if that's true. Yep. Anyway, well, yeah. I knew I wanted to, I mean, obviously I'll get any time I can get with Mark and th that's even true of David as well. But mm -hmm. I knew, I knew David's perspective would be unique because it always is mm -hmm. every time I've heard him speak and teach and write. And, but, but what I'm intrigued by already is the people who we've talked to very different people. We are very different from one another, Chris Sherrod and, mm -hmm. and John Redfern and, and others. I mean, we're, we're different people from each other. And yet there's these overlapping messages that are seem so significant mm -hmm. that even if our parents were pretty or our church was pretty, I don't know, dogmatic, if that's the right word, mm -hmm. that we still sense this, that, okay, we can, I can engage in this. We can wrestle with this together. I'm allowed to wrestle with God. Mm -hmm. um, I love that the biblical picture is that the God chose a nation of a guy who wrestled with him mm -hmm. and and uh, I just think that reveals something about about our this whole concept. So mm. anyway, I'm encouraged as we interview more people and have more of these discussions, I'm encouraged to see kind of how they how they play out mm -hmm. with this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's awesome. There you go. Great. Sweet. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up. Trust God. Search for answers. <laughs>